Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are joined by a great guest today. We're getting into some of the last prospects that we feel like we haven't quite covered enough on the show. And we brought on a guy who has watched a ton of all these prospects, Alex, who you might know as Nick's Draft on Twitter from the Strickland and Knicks Fan TV. And he gives us some great insights, Gavin, on a number of prospects in this first episode. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a whole lot of fun. I mean, getting into a whole bunch of the dudes that we, we, we've touched on in the past, but didn't really get to go in depth. So we, we talk about players like Trey Mann, uh, the point guard out of Florida, who we got in our ultimate mock draft, Jalen Johnson, um, why he's falling down a little bit. Keon Johnson, um, the, the super athletic wing out of Tennessee. Moses Moody, who Alex is is quite a bit higher on than uh, consensus, and a whole bunch of others. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get you ready for the draft on Thursday right now with Alex, a.k.a. Knicks Draft, on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Reminder, our live NBA draft show is happening this Thursday during the NBA draft. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked on NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm, of course, the editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play man and maybe favorite Nick's podcaster. That would be be insulting to me. Uh, (laughs) At any rate, we are Locked On Nick's. And we have a special guest today. We have Alex, also known as Nick's Draft. You might know him as at Nick's Draft on Twitter. He is a contributor for the Strickland and for Nick's Fan TV. And honestly, has probably watched more tape than almost anybody on the players in this draft. So, Alex, how you doing? How you feeling going into the draft, having watched all this tape? And how does it feel compared to last year when there was basically like, I don't know, like an eight month draft cycle instead of like a, yeah, not to say that the draft cycle doesn't start the second that the college season starts, but like the like off season fever pitch draft cycle last year was like nine months long instead of the usual like three. So a bit much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the draft to be here. Uh, Thursday can't come soon enough, but yeah, as you mentioned, Last year was definitely a longer than anticipated draft cycle, but it actually helped. Uh, got to watch a little more prospects than normally, so um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
And, you know, this group of, this group of prospects this year, I, I really like, and especially where the Knicks are in the draft, I think it's a, a great spot to be. It, it feels, yeah, so, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Gavin, go right ahead. No, I was just going to say quickly, it feels weird because this is uh, obviously we had the years and years where the Knicks didn't own their own first round pick, but it feels weird that I'm, I'm way more excited for this draft than almost any Knicks one in recent memory. Alex, I think in, in our in our green room that will probably forever be lost to time. Um, thanks. Thanks, green room. Um, it it feel you, you mentioned that this draft feels better because there's not the dread of the Knicks screwing it up because the stakes aren't as high. And Alex, I was wondering if you had that feeling too. Like maybe, I think part of the excitement comes from the fact that I, I'm just looking at like the, like any big board of the top 25 prospects. I, I kind of come away thinking, I really like all of these guys. It would almost be hard to take someone that I couldn't talk myself into from a Knicks perspective. And I'm just really, really intrigued to see all the different machinations in the top 15 with a couple of really good teams, notably the Warriors, picking relatively high, a couple of teams having multiple picks. Someone like Jonathan Kuminga potentially really dropping the chance to maybe land a star like a Sharif Cooper or Zaire Williams in the teens. I don't know. I'm, I feel more excited for this draft than maybe any in like the last five or so years. But Alex, do you kind of have that same feeling going into this one as someone who really studies and digs deep on this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's kind of similar to last year where you had kind of a top three and then a drop off. Uh, this year is more of like a top five, six, and then the drop-off comes. But after that, uh, it's a pretty large group of prospects that I really like. And like you were saying, the Knicks, it would be tough to screw up this draft, in my opinion. Um, and, and I like how like they're, they can trade up. They have a lot of different picks. They have a lot of avenues that they could work with. So I think it, it'll be interesting to see what um, Leon Rose and the other front office uh, folks tend to do uh, on draft day if they want to trade up. Um, I think they already were trying to, apparently. Um, but it's just just an exciting time to be a Knicks fan, I think, uh, with the success we had this season, just building off of that, adding at least probably two, two prospects out of this group, uh, I think will be very telling uh, coming into the next year. And, and hopefully they can crack the rotation and uh, be positive contributors. So one of those very guys that maybe could be one of the most NBA ready prospects in the draft, depending on who you talk to, is Trey Murphy III out of Virginia. Uh, he's a junior. He's like a small forward. Maybe it, I don't. I think he's probably locked in. Is more like a small forward, but he can guard a lot of different positions. Um, has a pretty decent wingspan, about six foot nine. Shot forty three percent from three this past year, which is fantastic. 50% from the field scored 11.3 points per game. Um, I, I honestly, this was a guy that kind of snuck up on me as far as like being on my radar. Like I feel like he was being mocked more towards the later part of the first round. And so I was start, I, you know, I was kind of lightly looking at him for like, Oh, maybe if he gets the 32, but he was kind of, I thought going to be more in that no man's land, like between 21 and 32 where I didn't really think the Knicks would be in play for him. Whereas now he's getting some buzz of maybe being a top 20 pick, uh, which would of course put him squarely on the Knicks radar at around pick 19 and maybe even someone that goes before the Knicks pick, which would be kind of crazy. Like clearly he's, he's done some good work during the draft process here. Um, I guess in two parts, one, I would say, would you describe Murphy for me? Um, And just, you know, what you see from him, what you like, what might hold him back. But then also, 
I, I find his his rise this year, along with guys like Duarte and stuff, to be pretty interesting. Uh, Chris Duarte, that is, of Oregon. To be pretty interesting in the sense that, like, I, these are guys that I feel like would have slipped in years past. But now I think teams, based off the success of some of the teams that went deep in the playoffs this year, like Milwaukee, uh, Phoenix, and, you know, uh, the, like the Heat last year. I mean, there's been a number of teams that have gone deep with only what you would call maybe one or two, like, big-time superstars, you know what I mean? And and have, you know, flourished because they've just surrounded them with great role players that can shoot the ball, that can play defense and defend multiple positions. Like, do you think that there's sort of a shift in thinking going on right now where these guys are becoming more valuable and, like, the projects are becoming more looked over because teams want more NBA, you know, ready guys and see the the field is a little more wide open than it has been in previous years. Yeah. Taking the, taking that first part, Trey Murphy, yeah, as you mentioned, six, nine, seven foot wingspan, kind of a hybrid three, four type forward, uh, really good shooter. You know, you look at his catch and shoot numbers uh, via synergies ranked in the 89th percentile. He also, you'll finish at the rim pretty well as well in the 85th percentile. So not just a shooter, um, where he does struggle is kind of, he didn't really do much off movement, didn't do much off the dribble. So it'll be interesting to see how his role develops in the NBA. A comp that kind of, I feel like it's thrown out a lot with him is Cam Johnson uh, on the Phoenix Suns. And he was taken, I believe, 11th in his draft class which was a shock at that point. So, you know, as you mentioned him moving up on draft boards, it seems like it could be that kind of going into play, people seeing Cam Johnson um, being a playoff contender deep into the playoffs, into the NBA finals, um, and, you know, don't really need to do it all kind of prospect if you're a team that's ready to compete. You just need a guy to fill in a role. And if that role is a 6'9 guy who could shoot, uh, that's pretty much any team is looking for that in the NBA right now. So I feel like it, a little bit of that is kind of probably shifting up his stock right now, along with a guy like Chris Duarte, who um, is a little bit more older, but also shown a little more off the dribble um, and kind of more playmaking um, than, than Trey Man or Trey Murphy, sorry, did. All right, we're going to take our first break. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like what you know model it is and what trim package and all that stuff on the spot, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the part on their computer, choosing only the parts that are going to make them the most money and that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer at home, in your pocket, with your phone, computers everywhere. It's access rockauto.com and shop for yourself. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why would you want to pay 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Or like me, pay, you know, I think Amazon was going to charge me like $10 for a gas cap. I got it for $5 off rockauto.com for my car. Even something that simple. They beat other places by 100%. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer as well. You're not going to get a you know a person off the street rate compared to a mechanic like at those brick and mortar stores. You're going to get treated the same as anybody else and get the best prices no matter what. So make sure to go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. So again, that's go to rockauto.com and check out all the parts available for your car or truck. 
And if you decide to pick something up, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what I was going to get into. Obviously, the height is there, but what does he bring to the table that someone like Reggie Bullock doesn't? And and maybe and maybe that's a case. I mean, for Murphy in and of himself, is that you would with one of those two picks, if you could get a much cheaper Reggie Bullock replacement, that's that's a really big deal. But I, I kind of just shift my mind towards the playoffs where Reggie went from being, I mean, the second half of this season, I, I kind of thought he was the key to taking the Knicks offense up another level when he became a much more willing and all of a sudden a much more accurate shooter. And, and that dissipated in the playoffs when if, if you crowded him, there wasn't really a response there and, and the Hawks could pretty easily high Trey Young on him. Maybe, maybe you could argue Murphy just by the, the sheer product of being six foot nine, you're not going to be able to hide a Trey Young on him, but does he have that I, I mean, you, you made the Cam Johnson comparison. I've heard it from other people, Alex. Does he have that extra gear off the drill? Because what I, what I loved about Cam Johnson throughout this entire playoff run is that you could, I mean, he could really move off the ball. He's someone who, I mean, certainly relative to his time at Pittsburgh and North Carolina, got quite a bit better athletically, a lot better in transition, but just looks so confident taking two dribbles and nailing a mid-range jumper. And that seems like a very basic thing that pretty much every wing in the NBA should be able to do. But as you go deeper and deeper round around, it feels like the guys drop off who can do that. So that's a very long winded way of asking, is Trey Murphy in that conversation or, or would maybe Chris Duarte be more so the direction to go on the Knicks if, if you want someone with that multiplicity offensively? And, and Duarte, I know a guy being recognized as having a little bit of a better handle and being more of a three level scorer than Murphy is. Yeah, Duarte definitely should give you more off the bounce than Trey Murphy. He's also smaller. I believe he's 6'5". He's also 24, so a couple years older. Um, I guess, yeah, Chris Duarte to Reggie Bullock is probably the better kind of apples-to-apples comparison when you think of a guy um, just – or sorry, Trey Murphy is is more of the apples-to-apples comparison when you think of a guy that just got to come off, uh, you know, and – be a sharpshooter, play good defense. Uh, just Trey Murphy's going to be taller and longer, uh, so offer maybe a little bit more defensive upside. But he also did show a little bit of the ability to kind of close out um, on, on close or attack closeouts and really get to the rim and use his length, use his frame uh, to get all the way to the rim. Didn't take much kind of off the dribble jumpers, but that's a part of his game where you would like to see him improve. And then, yeah, Chris Duarte is that guy you're going to take for more of the off-the-dribble playmaking, th- three-level scorer, hit step-backs, um, create his own offense, things like that. So um, it depends what you, what you really want. I mean, at the end of the day, if you come away with either one of these guys, you're going to get a four-year, tw- like $12 million, $14 million, whatever the salary range is, depending on the draft pick, um, guy that's going to come down and knock down shots. And, you know, in today's NBA, getting guys like that on the cheap uh, doesn't come very often. So I think both would be a valuable addition to the roster. So uh, there's been, you know, Duarte is, is another guy that's been rumored to, I mean, there's talk that he might not make it past the Wizards at 15, which would put the Knicks in a position where they have to trade up to get a player like that. Trey Murphy uh, also apparently got another workout from Golden State, so there's a chance that he maybe gets taken at 14 if Golden State decides to make, to make both of their picks. And there's been some other guys that have kind of been jumping up too, guys that we've talked about somewhat at length on this pod before, James Booknight, um, Josh Giddy, guys like that. 
And so with all these guys jumping up, of course, that means that there are going to be some guys falling down. One of those guys is Jalen Johnson, who I don't think that a lot of Knicks fans are probably super familiar with. Um, certainly someone that I like. And I mean, I, I've said it on like Twitter before and, and caught mixed reactions where I think that he could maybe be uh, like a pretty uh, granted it would create still a bit of a log jam, but I think he would be a pretty good missing piece to like solve the issue of not being able to play small ball um, where I think that you could potentially, cause I, I, I don't know, maybe it won't translate to the NBA, but when I watched him, I was like, this guy kind of has like, I mean, not to harken back to like one of my favorite draft prospects of the last like forever, but like he's got a little bit of that like Brandon Clark in him of being kind of undersized, but being able to defend the rim a little bit, at least to my eye, um, and block some shots and you know generate some defense around the rim, which would be I think pretty good to pair with Julius Randle and or Obi Toppin if you want to run a little bit of small ball, which Tibbs was always kind of reluctant to do because I think Tibbs really values someone having someone in there at all times that can guard the rim, which, you know, if you have both Obi and Randall out there just is probably not the case. I mean, Obi showed a little bit of help ability with getting blocks and stuff around the rim, but, and and Randall is good at holding his ground, but not really good at contesting shots as much uh, right there, especially against bigger guys. So, you know, I think maybe if you got a guy like Johnson, you, you maybe open up those possibilities, but what sort of, you know, your, your thoughts on him all the way from, his play to there's, there's been a lot made about the fact that he had issues in high school with, you know, switching programs a bunch. He left, I believe it was IMG his senior year, which is like one of the best uh, high school basketball programs, like in the country, like left them partway through the season goes to Duke this year. Now this one, I don't blame him as much for because other players did it too. Like Sharif Cooper did it like, a number of players left their college programs throughout this year when they kind of realized there was nothing to play for. Uh, so he left Duke partway through the year in the middle of a coronavirus season. I, I have a hard time holding that against him, but you know, what do you think about his, his play? And then also these alleged character concerns, which maybe are things that are moving him down draft boards potentially. Yeah. I think you, you hit it on the head with Jalen. I think he does kind of fit in that small ball five role uh, if the if the Knicks wanted to run that out, I know you know Obi and and Randall didn't really play a lot together. I think Randall and Jalen Johnson could share the floor more than than Randall and Obi can. Um, just given his rim protection ability, he's a little um, stronger than Obi, I think as well. Um, he's a good finisher. He, he's a, he's really good in transition, so can get them playing a little faster. I think um, Obi as well. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it depends on you know what kind of role Jalen is in. If you play him more on the wing, ball in his hands, ask him to play make, um, I think he might you know struggle to begin with. He's he's a good passer, but I don't really trust him on the perimeter, kind of being your your engine, your kind of Julius Randle per se, running uh, you know pick and rolls and and you know making reads and things like that. I like him more in that small ball role. Um, playing a little bit more of the four as well as a weak side rim protector. He showed flashes as that. Um, but at Duke, he was really inconsistent. I mean, he started out with a bang against Coppin State, uh, one of the best games I've seen from Prospect this year. Uh, and then, you know, wasn't really good after that. He had a good game against Pitt, but really that was it. He only played 13 games, I believe. So it didn't really have a lot of great tape at Duke. Uh, 
Um, and then the character issues. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what, what is going on there. So I don't really have any comments, but that seems to be the issue with him. I guess people falling down uh, their draft boards is the character concerns and um, interview process. I guess uh, he's getting some negative feedback there, but with on the court. Yeah. I, I think he's a fine pick uh, if he falls to, you know, 21, 19, there are other guys that I like over him, but uh, I think he, he would fit in, um, you know, playing 15 or so minutes a game on the Knicks. I think uh, you could definitely do a lot worse. All right, let's take our second and final break with Alex to tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your big chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, so I want to I want to move over to a guy who is also in the three and D mold, but probably most likely, to, who knows, this draft could get really weird. Someone the Knicks would have to trade up for, and that is Moses Moody and Alex. I really I, I want you to break it down for me because he's I, I don't think there's a prospect that it, it's weird because his appeal in some ways is, is sort of simplistic, right? Really young guy, great production at Arkansas, high level three point shooter. A uh, high-level defender with the potential to to continue to get better on that end, and yet I, I really see a lot of vacillation in terms of how high people are on him. Like I've seen, I, I know our guy Prez for like his Knicks specific board has him as a top, I, I think six option for the Knicks, and then there are other people who are like, yeah, you know, he might actually get there at nineteen or or twenty-one, and it feels like. I, I don't know. Like, is there what, what? What's the ceiling there with with Moody? I guess is what I'm really getting at. Like, is he a guy who, despite really high level production as a freshman, just sort of is what he is, or can you see him developing a more multifaceted offensive game than just really a, a, a big shooter? Yeah. So I think there is uh, more upside to Moody than pe- other people. I believe uh, I have him fifth on my big board. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's six five, uh, shooting guard, seven foot wingspan. Great three-point volume, decent percentage. I think he shot 36% on really tough shots as well. I think that kind of gets lost in that in that 36% from three number. He, you know, has great team uh, defense instincts, always clogging up passing lanes with his length, always knows where to be on the defensive end. Not, I mean, not the best point of attack defender, but I mean, he can guard two through four easily, throw him on some ones and he'll be fine as well. Uh, uses his body very well on that end. Uh, offensively, he showed signs of, of off the dribble shooting, creating his own shot. Definitely needs to tighten the handle a little bit, but just given his size, I think th- there will be kind of a lower threshold to to jump over than you know if he was a smaller guard. I think he'll be able to get a shot off, uh, no problem in the NBA. Um, yeah, and again, I I think the only really holdback that. Other people have on him is his finishing numbers are, were not pretty at Arkansas. Um, you know, he, he missed a lot of easy layups. If you look back at the tape, I think easily his finishing numbers could be a lot better. Um, you know, if the ball bounces a different way. Um, but yeah, just a guy I like, especially at, at the two guard position that can guard multiple positions. 
there, there's just not that many guys in the NBA that could do that right now at a plus value. So I, I would love if Moses Moody fell to 19. Uh, I would be fine if they traded up for him. He's a guy I definitely would like to see on the Knicks for sure. Just really, really quickly, what what is the best case scenario look like for him? I mean, maybe not necessarily in terms of a player comp, but he's is he someone you think is all star upside, or, or do you think like like really really high level role player on, on a great team, like uh, uh, not not in terms of direct skill set, but like a Jay Crowder type impact or a Mikael Bridges type impact on a real winning team? Yeah, I think that might be his floor, like a Jay Crowder type three uh, and D. Um, just like your fourth starter, right? Something like that. I think that could be his floor. And then his ceiling, I think he could be a multi-time all-star. I don't think he's going to be an all-NBA type guy, but just maybe a threshold below that. Um, You know, people have thrown out like Chris Middleton as a comp, Um, something along those lines, just a long two guard who can, uh, you know, shoot off the bounce, shoot off the catch uh, and play solid defense. Yeah, not not to linger too long on a, guy that will probably be gone by the time the Knicks pick. But I mean, I think I don't, I don't think there's any world where he makes it to 19 just because there's no way that 18 teams or, you know, however many teams are drafting before that with multiple picks and all that crap would pass on him, especially like the Warriors, the Thunder. I think though, I mean, you know, I mentioned the guys that are moving up, right? Like the, you know, Josh Giddy and, and James Booknight, those sort of guys. If, enough guys start moving into that top 10 buzz where teams say, all right, well, we got to take him now. We're not going to get him. And Moody slips to like 13 or something. I mean, I think there's definitely a window there, you know, to potentially go after like Indiana and say, Hey, you guys are trying to compete this year. Like you can get some, you can get some really solid role players at 19 and 21 to get to Rick Carlisle and try to keep this, this thing going and, you know, not lose a step. If anything, you know, get back into the playoff picture. And meanwhile, we'll take Moses Moody, you know, off your hands. Yeah, Alex, maybe. really quickly, I, I just want to I want to check in here. Do you how high do you think the Knicks can get up? Because I saw Jonathan Wasserman in like his little rumors breakdown thing had had a note that the Knicks apparently tried to strike a deal with the Warriors for fourteen for nineteen and twenty one and were rebuffed. But with the Warriors already having two picks, that that kind of makes more sense. Do you could they get up to like an? I mean, obviously that's that's sort of an intel thing. But do you have any just like gut instinct on that? I have no way of knowing for sure. I mean, I would say also you might have just been talking to our guests instead of me. We're both named Alex. Yeah, yeah, I've gone for him, but, but both of you. But yeah. you know what? I'll pass it to him next. I've um, you all Alex's. Yeah. Yeah, all, all Alex's. What do we think? Um the consensus among Alex's no, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I I think uh I think that they could potentially get up to a thirteen, but you know, I think that if I had to guess, I would say that uh, and I'm gonna be citing that Wasserman report in a sec here too, but if I had to guess, I would say that that the Knicks have been have been tight with their assets so far and are pretty much just looking to package those two picks and that's it. I think if they felt a little froggy and they were like, all right, we'll we'll include Obi Toppin or something like that. Like if Moody got to thirteen and they're like, All right, like Wal Perrin's like, you know, breaking down the the table, you know, being like, trade up, trade up, oh my god, this is our next, you know, this is like the Donovan Mitchell of this draft or whatever. Um, then they would probably be like, all right, we'll give you guys, uh, you know, these two picks plus Obi Toppin or something like that. And once they start, and then, you know, then you got that, that war stash of, uh, second round picks in future years that they got from all the Ed Davis shenanigans and all that, that they could potentially tap into. I mean, I think that they just haven't dipped into the reserves yet to try to make some team actually say yes. I think they could get to 13 if they really wanted to, but 
I'll throw that to you, uh, Alex. Number two. What, what do you think here? <laughs> yeah, not not too much to add. I think I think you're right there. Uh, I don't think you're getting above thirteen, really, no matter what. Um, I mean, if you're just packaging nineteen, twenty-one, maybe you get up to sixteen uh, with Oklahoma City. You know, Sam Presti loves draft picks, so uh, he already has five, I think, in this draft. So adding one more, why not? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if if Moody's sitting there at you know fifteen. 13, 14, I would try to move up and get them. I just don't know what what that price would be. Yeah. Um, All right. So to move to another Jonathan Wasserman note, which shout out to Wasserman. They dropped like the buzz column of all buzz columns today that had like 50,000 things in it. Um, I'll just read this whole paragraph because it's going to lead us right into, we already talked about one of the guys and it's going to probably lead us into our next two guys to talk about, I think. Um. So Wasserman said Auburn Sharif Cooper was not on the green room, green room list for the draft, which suggests most teams don't have him in their top 20. Scouts have spoken with sounded more surprised that Florida's Trey Mann wasn't invited. Cooper is a decent bet to slide into the late 20s or early second round. So I won't I won't talk about Sharif Cooper again because we've literally talked about Sharif Cooper on every draft podcast like that we've done. As you should. Like, As you should. Yeah, since like November. So I think people have heard enough about him, but surprising, maybe Sharif becomes available with the 21st pick or maybe the Knicks pass on him and we all end up sad. Um, but the the final line here, others whom scouts think could fall, Tennessee's Keon Johnson and Duke's Jalen Johnson. So we talked about Jalen Johnson already. Keon Johnson, I think, is the guy I want to talk about next because I'm really intrigued by him. Like I, I uh, We did a, a Strickland mock draft this past weekend, and I – did tons of trades and uh, fixed up Indy with three picks in the top 20 and wound up taking uh, Kuminga, Booknight, and Keon Johnson. And I was told by Prez that I was going to make uh, Rick Carlisle murder me in my sleep um, <laughs> because, you know, because like Keon and, and uh, Kuminga are so raw and not NBA ready and not fitting that vision of, you know, the Pacers wanting to compete right now. But I look at Keon and I'm like, is he not just sort of a jump shot away? I mean, I understand he has to he has to work on his handle and stuff, but what player that's a freshman doesn't, you know, particularly shooting guards. But I mean, the athleticism is is otherworldly. The defense is fantastic. I mean, to me, I'm looking at him and I'm like, if he would somehow get in the Knicks range, again, you know, if if this is a guy that maybe slips to fifteen or something and they could talk the Wizards into, you know, trading back four slots or something like that. I, I feel like I'd be all over that. I, I think Keon, you know, I, I think he's got all the tools. You just need to get him with the right development staff. And uh, especially with guards this past year, I mean, or like guards and wing type players, the Knicks had some really great developments, you know, with quickly showing everything that he showed coming from college to the NBA that like we had never seen him do before. RJ making the leaps that he did. Um I just I feel like this is a, a prime opportunity to go after a guy who's like the piece of modeling clay to turn into a really good NBA player. But like, what are your thoughts on on Keon Alex and like, you know, just his I guess first off, how how raw do you think he is? And then secondly, like, would you take a risk on him if you were the Knicks and potentially try to bring him in? Yeah, he's he's pretty raw. He. Like growing up, I read a piece on him. Growing up, he pretty much he was a big time baseball player too. So we would split his time playing baseball, playing basketball. 
he didn't really focus on basketball until his junior year of high school. And that's when he really started hitting uh, the recruiting rankings and jumping there. So he really hasn't focused full time on basketball for more than three years now. And he just played for a top 10 team and was a positive contributor based solely off his athleticism. Uh, You mentioned he's a freak athlete, jumps out the building. He'll have some of the best highlights you'll ever see. And then he'll have some of the lowlights that you never want to see with throwing the ball away, things like that. But that can come with, with good coaching and development. Mm. With the jump shot, it, he jumps really high on his pull-ups, like especially in the mid range. Um, I, I don't know if that's, you know, making him get tired or throwing off kind of the rhythm of his jump shot, but I think he might want to kind of lower that release point and try to make it a, a more quicker jump shot. Um, you know, I'm no, I'm no shooting doctor, but just trying to figure out a way for him to score the ball on offense besides just being strong, like faster than everyone on the court. Um, you know, you mentioned the defense, uh, one of the best freshman defenders, I think in this class, uh, just given sheer athleticism, he's a great point of attack defender, uh, can make rotations. Um, he, he really has a total package with the athleticism kind of wish he was a little bigger. He's only six, four. So to play him at shooting guard and not offer a lot of, uh, you know, floor spacing ability, that's kind of a tough, uh, roster fit. But again, if you get him in the gym, develop him in, to be enough of a shooter, I would absolutely take a risk on him, especially with the next new development staff. Uh, we've seen what they we, what they could do with guys. So uh, if he falls to nineteen or twenty one, I would absolutely try to try to snack him up. All right, guys, that's it for this episode with Alex, aka Nick's Draft. I know you guys are thinking, what's going on? A normal sized episode. Trust me, it's weird for us too. But we will be back tomorrow morning on Drafts Eve to discuss even more prospects, including Zaire Williams, who's better between the two Baylor guards, and some of Alex's favorite options for the Knicks in the second round, including some deep sleepers that have not been mentioned on this podcast up to this point. So be sure to tune into that tomorrow with Alex, a.k.a. Knicks Draft. Until next time, thank you for listening. Peace out, and stay locked on Knicks.